Okay, let's get into our message for this evening. We are looking at the foundation, divine foundation for a Christian home. And our overriding principle is that the Christian home must be built according to the divine blueprint. Unless the Lord builds the home, they who build it build in vain. Under that, we saw that the stipulations call for a male and a female when it comes to the main foundation of a Christian home, husband and wife. They must be male and female. We also saw that they must be living stones. That's where we talked about the fact that they should be Christians. And we are talking about the Christian home now. As we go on in this series, we'll be talking about um, about the situation in, in the couple's are unsaved as well. This evening we want to present a third specification in the foundation. And that is that they must be permanently joined together. They must be permanently joined together. I read from Matthew chapter 19 concerning the conversation with Jesus. Some Pharisees came to him testing him and saying, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 6. So, is the conclusion of all of that now. They are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, that no man divorce. And that's the meaning of the word separate. That's the same word. Let no man divorce. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39, Paul says, a wife is bound as long as a husband lives. But if a husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Of course, it's also true concerning the husband and vice versa. So here is the principle established that marriage is a lifelong commitment. Marriage is designed to be for duration of the life of those who are married. Couples, therefore, who are thinking of marriage needs to think this through very carefully before they enter into making their vows. It seems that it is one thing that many Christians are forgetting today is the importance that God puts on making vows, especially marriage vows. It is until death do us part. The scriptures are clear. It's only death that breaks a marriage bond. I believe, therefore, that when couples are contemplating marriage, one of the things they should talk about or ask the other person about is, what is your view on divorce? I believe one of the most important subjects to talk about before getting married is divorce. But even before that, you need to understand what marriage itself is. Because personally, I am of the opinion that if you understand the scriptures and what it says about marriage, you do not have to do any more discussion concerning divorce. Because the scriptures 
in, from my opinion, and there are others, of course, who disagree, is that the two become one, and it's only death that separates. Therefore, divorce has no room in it. And I believe that's the clear teaching of the Apostle Paul and also of Jesus Christ himself. But here's the point. If you're going to establish and build a Christian home, when you enter that marriage relationship, you should do so with the intention that this relationship is for life. Come hell or high water. Better for worse sickness or health. Today, they don't like the one about riches or poverty. But it's a lifelong commitment. I think it's important for us to understand that. You see, if we enter into marriage with that idea, that concept, it uh, eliminates several concepts of marriage. First of all, it eliminates the simple concept of marriage. The simple concept of marriage is that marriage is only a physical union that is finalized or climaxed with sex. Sexual relationships complements a, a marriage relationship. This is the idea. It actualizes a marriage, they say. Therefore, if somewhere along the line I am not satisfied sexually with my spouse anymore, that's the grounds for divorce. Because the focus is on the sexual relationship. Now when we discuss this later, we'll see that the sexual relationship is a vital part of marriage. No doubt about that. But if you only enter marriage for the sexual relationships, you'll never build a good marriage. You'll never have a fulfilling marriage if that's the only reason why you enter marriage relationship. Now this actually impacts what's going on today concerning this, this uh, proposal to amend the um, Sexual Abuse Act, where it's intended to put the rape of a spouse on the same level as rape outside of marriage. You know the big discussion that is going on. And believe it or not, this enters into that. And if you have a good and a proper instructions concerning the scripture concerning sex in marriage and how the mates are to be fulfilled, you could go a long way in knowing where you come out on this particular discussion, really. And so I encourage you to do that. We'll be doing it as we go along because right now I'm only giving an overview. But here is the idea what I'm trying to get at here. We cannot view marriage simply as a relationship that guarantees me or assures me of sexual satisfaction. That's a weak foundation to build a marriage on. But this one flesh relationship that is established in marriage eliminates that simple concept of marriage. It also eliminates the concept that it is only a relational union based on compatibility. As long as we are compatible and we enjoy all the same things, then we will have a fulfilling marriage. But if somewhere along the line you start to like things I don't and you and so on, then that's a grounds for divorce. Incompatibility. They call it irreconcilable differences. 
And if you enter a marriage with that idea that it's only as long as you feel comfortable with one another, when you are satisfied with what you like and what she likes and so on, or what they do not like, you will not have a fulfilling marriage. This, by the way, is one of the reasons some people give for shacking up. You don't understand or know somebody, it is said, until you live with them. So you live with them on a trial basis before you make it formal through marriage. And many young people, couples, are going into marriage with this attitude. But if you have a true understanding of the one flesh relationship and the idea that it is a lifelong relationship, it eliminates these concepts altogether. But it also eliminates the idea that marriage is simply a contractual union based on a two-party contract. The marriage lasts only until we say it lasts. We have a contract. I could break it any time I want. You could break it any time you want. This is a no-fault divorce idea. See, all of these are faulty perspectives of marriage because we fail to understand the complex relationship that comes about as a result of the marriage union. You see, a Christian marriage is a spiritually complex union and involves all three aspects of the simple concept plus a covenant with God. And this is the aspect that is normally left out of the picture. To see it as a contract with God. To see it as a covenant with God. Solomon makes reference to the marriage covenant in Proverbs chapter 2 where he says he wants to deliver his son from the strange woman or the adulterous woman. And this is what he says. He wanted to deliver him from the one that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. That's the marriage relationship. The covenant of her God. And of course, the passage in Malachi 2, where God says through his prophets, this is another thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears and weeping and with groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. Yet you say, why? For what reason? The answer, because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously. That's what God terms a divorce, a treacherous act against whom you have dealt treacherously. Though she is your companion, notice now, your wife by covenant. And Christian marriage recognizes that that marriage is a covenant between the two spouses and God. And although we have two witnesses who come and sign the certificate legally, there's another witness, and that's God. And the covenant that he makes with you, with me, when we have marriage ceremony, is that this contract cannot be broken except by death. This contract cannot be broken unless I agree with it. We leave that out. But that's so because of this wonderful relationship that God brings about when the two become one. One flesh. And God says 
That's a mystery. That's a wonderful, a beautiful relationship if it's entered into in keeping with my word. And I'm the only one who can tell you whether or not you can break that covenant. A Christian must enter the marriage with that relationship. That's why it's important for our parents to teach their young people concerning marriage. Don't leave it to the Sunday school teacher or to the youth leader or to the pastor. You need to speak to your children yourself. That means you need to know about it. You need to learn about it. We talk about the foundations being destroyed. Who are going to rebuild them? Who are going to replace them? When it comes to the home, the parents play a leading role. This morning we talked about the young people and the importance of the parents getting into their life concerning that, teaching them the truths of God's word concerning marriage and dating and all of that. It's the parents' responsibilities. The parents. But then we also talked about one male, one female, one man, one woman in marriage. And this has to do with homosexuality. This has to do with the whole idea of gays being a part uh, and their lifestyle being seen simply as an alternative lifestyle. Who is to teach the children about this? The parents. And you're talking about foundations being destroyed. When you see these things happening in your community, just because you're a Christian, don't say, I'm going to get involved in this. This too much trouble. When we're discussing these issues in town halls and so on, saying, I'm not going to get involved with it. That's how the foundations are destroyed. Because those who are supposed to be keeping the foundations are not doing the job. Parents, you need to get involved. Do you know what your kids are being taught at school? In the social studies? In the uh, values class? Do you know what they've been taught? Have you even looked at their school texts, their books? Have you? Right now, there's a uh, series going on on, uh, on on the TV concerning what is being taught in the United States. And we talk about foundations being destroyed. You want to know? Listen to that. You'll see why. Because the children are being indoctrinated. And they have been indoctrinated for years and years. And now we're seeing the result of it. You're seeing the fruit of it. You say it can't happen here. Oh yes, that's what they said over there. It can happen here. You know that right now a man is facing a possible jail sentence because he was asked to give thanks for food in a cafeteria in the school? Hmm? You know that someone is facing possible sentence or life because they put in an ad, they just wrote the words of Deuteronomy condemning homosexuality and they call it indecent speech and now he's facing a fine and a possible jail sentence? You say, oh, that thing going happen in Nassau. Oh no, whoever thought that you would see, you would have homosexuals, gay people getting up on the radio and boldly talking about their situation. Who thought that 20 years ago? We talk about foundations, you are the foundation keepers. You see that it's strong. And God says that we're going to build a Christian home. The foundations must be strong. But not only that. Fourthly, these foundation stones, the parents we're looking at, the husband and wife, must bear the particular load or stress for which they were designed by God. 
This deals with the divinely delegated roles of the husband and wife. We must see them as the main supporting pillars in this foundation of the Christian home. And God has placed them in that home as pillars. And each have been given specific loads to bear. And the wife is not supposed to bear the load of the husband. Nor is the husband to bear the load of the wife. Entirely. We're going to see as we go on. There's a way of spreading the beam as it were. And the, the load is uh, uh, spread across both of them. But there are specific load bearing responsibility. That responsibilities that are given to the husband and the wife. Let's look at this briefly. And remember... I'm just giving a broad outline here as we go on to our series. We're going to look at these in detail. First, the husband is the head manager of the home. In other words, the major load or responsibility rests with him. He is the one who is to bear the load of the building. The major load of it. Not all of it, but the major load. The same way in any building, you could go look for a pillar. That's the Pillar that bears the load. If you take that pillar down, the whole thing is destroyed. Comes down. Same thing is true with the home. When the head of the home is not acting like a head, the home is being destroyed. The home is crumbling. The home is falling down. Ephesians 5.3 The husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church. Notice that. As. Christ also is head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. First Timothy 3, 4. Talking about the qualifications of a pastor or an elder in the church. Showing the importance of the, of the home situation as well. He must be one who manages his own household well. Keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? I mean, you don't have to be a rocket science to understand this text. If a man is not a good father's home, he shouldn't be a leader of the church. Simple, clear as that. If you put him in the leader in the church or allow him to be leader in the church, the church is going to crumble. Simple as that. Unless you don't believe what the divine designer says about the home and the church. We could put it like this. Remember what it says? As Christ is head of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. Isn't that right? The father is the cornerstone of the home. He shapes, designs everything in that house, in that home. No matter how bad the situation is, you cannot blame it on the wife or the children. The buck stops with the head of the home. Who's responsible for the devotions? The husband. The father. Who is responsible for the spiritual guidance? The husband. The father. Who is responsible to see that the children are taught the word of God? Who is responsible seeing that the children keep company with the right people? The father. The father. And when the father is not doing his job, the home crumbles. It's clear as that. As head... He is responsible for the direction, the resources, and the results in the home. So therefore, both account, final accountability and authority rests with him. But as we'll see, 
This headship is a special headship. It's as Christ is head of the church. He loved the church and gave himself for her. So this headship is a sacrificial headship. This is the headship who doesn't look out for in any way domineering or dominating anybody, but leading them rather to spiritual maturity by showing love, by being a servant, by being a servant. And we're going to get into this when we talk about the husband in detail. The final, the, the final analysis of what a husband is supposed to do is to serve his wife for the glory of God. Simple as that. Serve his wife. You say, that, well, how can you be a head and serve? See, that's the radical teaching that Jesus Christ brought. That's the radical teaching that the Apostle Paul taught because this was entirely different from what is understood in the culture. And the same thing is true today. You have a man who is a Christian who is really being the head of a home. He looked like an oddity. The same way that Andrea said about this young couple got married, never kissed until that time. Young people look at them as oddballs. And that's how the head of the home will look to the outside world, to the unsaved, but also to Christians who are not living according to the word. Look like a foolish person. And so as manager, he is responsible for the procedures, the policies and performances in the home. We're going to deal with all of this later on. He's a head manager, but he's also a nourisher. He was responsible for the physical and temporal needs of the wife and the family. In fact, Timothy says, if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. He's a nourisher. He cares for his family. He cares for his wife. He nourishes her. He provides all that she needs as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, as a protector. He makes sure the home is safe and secure for his wife. I remember dealing some time with Christian counseling. Folk came in and as we were talking, the wife said, I want to tell you something. When we talk about protection, and how sometimes we don't see how significant it is. He says, before my husband leaves me by myself, he goes around and he checks the windows. He checks the doors. If this, the iron grates and all those, he makes sure they're in place. And when he goes to that door, he locks. He says, do you know how that makes me feel? That man loves me. He wants to be sure I am secure. I am protected. Isn't that something just by him making sure the house is safe? The wife feels secure and he's sending a message. I love you. The husband is responsible for meeting all of the emotional needs or most of the emotional needs of his wife. Again, I keep saying we can look at this in detail, but we will because we have so many things to talk about here, especially when it comes to emotions. Sometimes we like to say that my best friend is my spouse. At least some people like to say that. I'm always reminded of an incident when I was in Grand Bahama during a seminar on the home. And the lady got up and says, Pastor Lee? He says, yes, ma'am. says, I got five friends, close friends who I could share everything with. But my husband is not one of them. I looked at her right in the public and said, you are headed for trouble. 
I have five friends I can share anything with, but one of them is not my husband. Something is wrong. Something is wrong, especially if you're seeking to build a Christian home. But let's move on. We have other things. We'll come back to this later on. He's a teacher of his wife and children, provide both spiritual and intellectual instruction for his wife's maturing in the faith. Husbands leave this for the pastors and the Sunday school teachers most of the time. Don't sit down and talk with the wife about spiritual things. Me and my wife are always fighting. Good fights, you know, there's good fights. We fight along biblical lines about what comes up on the TV. She likes to listen to music and she goes to TBN. And TBN has some good music if you know where to look. For instance, the seven day, they have some good music. I mean, you want to hear good music that's what you call traditional, go to the seven day. But now when they start teaching, that's a whole different story. So when I see that, I say, now, hey, now, make sure. You know, listen to the singing, listen to the songs. But when you come to the teaching, mm-mm. And we start to talk. You know, you say, Alan, talk to me about being present, uh, being absent from the body and present with the Lord. You know that man, see? I say, which man? The man on 3AB, what is it called? 3ABC or whatever. ABN. He said, that ain't true. He said, when you die, you stay in the grave. You don't know nothing. So how can he say that? I said, why are you listening to that in the first place? <laughs> See, that's how it comes in, though. You understand what I'm saying? The husband is responsible for instructing and teaching the wife and being sure, at least, that she's been exposed to right teaching, proper teaching, as well as the children. As well as the children. As father, he's to provide spiritual nurturing for the building blocks of the family. That's the, ch that's the children. And he's to do this by being an example or role model that glorifies Jesus Christ. In other words, the father is to live out his biblical convictions before his children. The best way to teach your children biblical truth is to live it out before them. And we could go into all kinds of practical illustrations of how we can teach our children the wrong thing. Daddy, that's the, that sign say 30 miles an hour. You doing 50. Yeah, but I got to get to church in time. Daddy, the signs say 30 miles an hour. And if you just ignore that, you're teaching your child something. You're teaching your child something. Hello. Is Pastor Lee home? I did before my computer. No, he here. Call back later. What are you teaching your children? A father has to model Biblical convictions to the children. Professor Hendricks, Howard Hendricks, one of my teachers at Dallas Seminary, is famous for making this statement. The best thing you can do for your children is to love your wife. I like to add on to that. The best thing you can do for your children is to love your wife before them. In other words, kiss your wife. Hug your wife. Say, I love you, darling. I love you, honey. I don't know about babe, I don't like that too much. But model this kind of love before your children as parents. You understand what I'm saying? That's what we're talking about here. Be an example, a role model. You have to provide instructions in the Word of God, teaching Christian convictions, making sure that they are attending a church where the Word of God is taught, making sure that you are checking to see what they believe. 
Keeping current with what's going around. If there's anything you should be teaching our children today, it's about what it means to be gay. That's right, that's a big thing. Pornography, why they shouldn't watch certain things on the computers and on TV. Why it is evil to watch some of these things and the impact it makes. You need to be a teacher by administering discipline and love, affirming Christian convictions. You model living Christian convictions. You provide instruction teaching Christian convictions. You administer discipline and love affirming Christian convictions. And we're going to be talking about each of these in the days ahead. Here's the basic principle when it comes to husbands. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Notice the model, notice the standard, notice the level, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You don't see any idea here that I'm the boss. You don't see any idea here at all. You do what I tell you to do. You don't see any idea, I own you, so I could do anything I want to you. You don't see any of that. But rather, you see an attitude of sacrifice. Honey, I'm willing to do anything for you, even to the giving of my life, if it's good for you. When you come to this situation here, this concept, he's not talking about rights. He's talking about responsibilities. Husband never talk about right. I have this right. I have that right. No, no, no. As the head of your wife, honey, what can I do today to make you happy? What can I do today to make you feel fulfilled as a woman? That's what the husband is to be focusing on in a relationship that's trying to build a Christian marriage. That's what it means to be head. And we'll expand on this later on. But the basic bottom line is that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. It's sacrificial. It's caring. And every day, I try to let my wife know that. Now, I'm not perfect, but I know, you know, 99, point, but not, not perfect. I try to let my wife know, not only by what I do, but in deeds, that the reason why I'm living is to meet her needs in order to glorify God. I tell her that. I tell her that. What I'm saying to you, I say to her. Because I believe that the greatest way I can glorify God is not by coming up here every Sunday morning and so on and preaching, but by, my, but by my loving my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself. I could make a bigger contribution to this nation by doing that than I can by preaching the word of God. I believe that with all my heart. And that is the truth that transformed my life as a young husband. And as husbands, we need to commit ourselves to that same thing. If you're married, look at that woman and realize that everything you need in a woman is you're getting to get from that woman. Look at that man, everything that you need from a man, you're getting from that man. That's what marriage is all about. Isolating, separating ourselves from all other sources of satisfaction when it comes to uh, sexual things especially and saying, this woman, this man, is whom God has supplied for me for total fulfillment in my life.
Does that mean that we're going to always be happy and joyful and everything? No, 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 no. But God even uses the difficult times to build a good marriage relationship. I can attest to that in ways that you cannot imagine. I would not be here tonight. I would not be with Nancy. Were it not for the grace of God. And he's teaching me the same truth right here. The same truth here. What it means to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Men, you do that. And men, I say, we, we talk about crumbling foundations. If we right in this assembly here tonight would commit ourselves to really be the head of our wife, the head of our church, the way God has ordained, the way Christ has ordained, we could do a lot to rebuild the foundations that are crumbling. So men, you have your work cut out for you. But you have one who enables you to do that as well. And ladies, we're going to get you Sunday morning. Please stand as we close in prayer, please. Father, thank you for your word again. Again, I thank you, Father, for the wonderful institution that you brought about that we call marriage. Father, we know that because of sin, this has been ill-treated and misunderstood, even by your people. But, oh God, we thank you for your word again that reminds us that this is a wonderful, mysterious relationship that demonstrates Christ's relationship to the church. Oh God, help us, we pray, as husbands to really be the head of our wives in the way Christ himself has ordained it. And that is to love our wives as he loved the church and gave himself for her. Father, help us to, we pray as fathers, to model what it means to be Christ-like to our children. Lord, help us as fathers to see the important role we play in sustaining the foundations that are still up but also to restore those who have been destroyed and broken down. Give us the courage and the commitment to be men of God, to be husbands who truly demonstrate love, sacrificial love to their wives, to be fathers who are models to their children. Oh God, help us, we pray, to rebuild the foundations of our home. And all of God's people said, Amen.